This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Praise God, we've been washed. Praise God that because of Jesus we were sanctified. Praise God that because of Him we were justified by the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave them up, yes, over to their own devices, over to their own direction, over to their own will, in many cases over to their own direction. But you know what? One thing I know is that what God gave up, He made provision to buy back again. It's easy to pick out a person's sin that you particularly despise and be self-righteous about God giving up on them thinking, yes, God, go get them. But the Bible says that such were some of us. You see, sin is sin. We're all destined for hell. But we've been washed. Because of Jesus, we were sanctified and justified. God gave them up to their own devices, directions, and will. But thankfully, what God gave up on, He made provision to buy back again. God gives up, but not the way that we give up. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 22, for the conclusion of our message entitled, When God Gives Up. Speaking there, that the glory of the Lord departing from the temple went from the holy place to the outside gate to now on to the outside of the city to the mountain outside. And literally, Ichabod became the byword of the temple there in Jerusalem. The glory is gone. No more the glory. That's what that name means. The Spirit of God departed from the temple. God gave up on that, but not in the way that you and I give up. We read also in Genesis, even at the very beginning, in the earliest of the generations following the creation of the world, Early on, that the wickedness of man began to prevail and overwhelm all of God's creation. And we read in those verses in chapter 6, the, you know the story, it gets ready to move into the time of the flood and of God speaking to Noah. But in verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. Man, what a declaration that is on the wickedness of man. His heart was filled with only evil continually. It says in verse 11 that the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. The corruption, the sinfulness, the wickedness of man. Go back, if you would, to verse 3, because in verse 3 there in chapter 6, speaks about what God's plan was at this point in time. And God says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. In other words, there's going to come a time, even as he's working and moving and declaring himself to man, that he's going to say, I'm done with that. It's over. And God will give up on that, but not in the way that you and I give up. In the New Testament, we can look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we see the story that we've spoken about even as on Wednesday evenings, 
as we're going through, uh, again, the, the books of First and Second Corinthians. In First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, it speaks, well, in that whole portion, that earlier portion of chapter 5, it speaks of a man who is involved in an incestuous relationship with his father's wife, kind of his stepmom. And again, the Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul told him, look, these things ought not be, you're being proud in this, but what you need to do is deliver such one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It's time to give up on this one, but it's not in the way that you and I would give up. Now, if we go back to Romans, now that I've laid, hopefully, the, the foundation of what we're going to look at, beginning in Romans chapter 1 and in verse 24 and verse 25, we read this. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. God gave them up. He gave them up. To uncleanness, and it's an interesting word, this uncleanness. Agathartos is the Greek word, and you might think, well, so what? What is that? That doesn't mean anything to me, unless you look a little bit deeper to it. Agathartos comes from a base word, kathario, kathario. And kathario means to cleanse and to prune or to purge. It's interesting, in the Greek language, if you put an A in front of it, it means no or not to, or it's the negative of that. So God is saying, I gave them up, no longer will I cleanse them, no longer will I prune them, no longer will I purge them. As I've shared with you guys on more than a few occasions, you're probably getting tired of hearing it, about the garden that I'm trying to grow at the house. And we've got a couple of tomato plants that are just going crazy. I mean, it's going to overtake the entire garden. And we were talking the other day about the fact that I needed to prune them back. Otherwise, they're just going to go wild. And actually, as we prune them, we're hoping to get better fruit from them. And what this word says is that God no longer was pruning the minds of man. But he was going to literally give them up to the lust of their own heart. Just going to let them grow wild and go wild. And that's exactly what he's speaking here when he says that he gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. R.T. Robertson explains this whole passage in saying that God merely left them to their own self-determination and self-destruction. And that's part of the price of man's moral freedom. Man has a choice. All the way back in the garden, Adam had a choice to obey God or to disobey God. And even today, man has that choice. And what he's saying here is God merely left them to their own self-determination and self-destruction. No longer would he confine them because they continued to reject him. And so he gave them up. You remember last week we talked about in verse 18 how those people, that people, humanity themselves, had literally suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And we talked about what that word suppressed and what it means is to take the truth, put it in a box, put the lid on the box and literally sit on the box so that the truth cannot get out. And that's what humanity has done with the truth that God has revealed both in them and around them. 
But here in verse 25 in Romans, it speaks about the fact that these are the ones also who now exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Exchanged the truth. You know what? When they exchanged the truth for the lie, it was just like in the garden where God says, this is the truth. And they exchanged the truth for the lie that Satan told them. So surely you won't really die. Surely you won't really die. That's not really what God meant when he said that. Beloved, let me tell you, when God speaks, he means what he says. And though humanity may take today and try to exchange that truth for a lie, it's to our own self-destruction that we exchange the truth that we know for the lie that Satan and the world and our own flesh try to draw us into. Exchanging the truth for a lie. Then in verse 27, says again, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. Wow. God gave them up. God gave them up, it says, for there are two, their vile passions. You think of that vile passions. You think, what in the world does he mean by vile passions? Passions are good. I think that we need to be a passionate people. We need to be passionate, just as Brother Bob was, about the Word of God, that the power of God. We need to be passionate about our relationship with Christ. It needs to be utmost and the focus of who we are. I believe that a husband and wife need to be passionate toward each other in a godly and a right way, but that's not what he's speaking about here. He says vile passions, and vile passions means dishonorable and shameful passions. And he begins speaking directly at homosexual relationships at this point in time. When he speaks of vile passions, that's what he's saying. God gave them up to these vile passions where men and women were exchanging the whole understanding of what God had created them for and why God had created them. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even really use, in your version, it may speak of men and women, but that's not the term that the Apostle Paul used when he wrote Romans. There was other words that he used, and he used animal terms. He didn't say men and women. He said male and female. He could have used woman and man, but instead he used female and male because I believe that he was drawing a very clear distinction that Male and female had literally gone back to a very animalistic type of lifestyle. That there is no God, there's no reaction from what I'm doing. I can live any way that I want to. And he says, and they're going to be destroyed because of that. It says there that they were receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Look at the homosexual community today. And we see damage in every way in their lives. Is there going to be an eternal damage? Absolutely. But even right now, in every category in the homosexual community, the the statistics against them are so huge. In domestic violence, in drug abuse, in sexually transmitted disease, in alcoholism, specific physical ailments because of the activities that they get involved with, in depression and in suicide, in every category... Statistically, they are destroying themselves. 
because of the choices that they are making to continue to ignore the reality of how God had created them and continue pressing on to these vile passions. When you start looking at this and you look at the the damage and the destruction, everything that's going on in their lives, you think this is an alternative lifestyle? And they call it gay. But you know what? There's nothing gay about it. Because in nearly every case, we see statistic after statistic after statistic. Monogamous relationships within the homosexual community are very, very rare. As a matter of fact, even their own magazines, The Advocate, declares that homosexual partners, the ones that they have shared themselves with, more often than not will go into the dozens, if not even more than that. One statistic I was reading, they said that they were getting off, literally off the charts, 100, 200 300 partners within a lifetime, destroying themselves, seeking to find a filling for that hole that's in their life. No, that's not a gay lifestyle at all. But let's go on. Because in verse 28 it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. Again, God gave them up. God gave them over to what? To a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality of every type. Now, not just homosexuality, but sexual immorality of every type. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder and strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning and untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. What a declaration that is of human society that turns against God, that literally blocks out God in their life. And suddenly they are left to every wicked end and wicked device. God says that because of that, for this very reason, that God gave them over to this debased mind, the debased mind, meaning a reprobate mind. Albert Barnes, again, in speaking of this, idea of a reprobate mind. He says that it's a mind destitute of judgment as a consequence of their headstrong passions and their determination to forget him. You look at the world and do they have good judgment? No, they don't. You can look at almost every category of our society right now and you see, man, black and white seems so clear And yet suddenly, good becomes evil, evil becomes good. That that was so clear of being a right thing to do, now is the wrong thing to do. That that seems so clear that's a wrong thing to do has become the very right thing to do. And not only is it the right thing to do, but they joy and celebrate in the fact that now others are joining with them in that wickedness. They look at us, and they look at the Word of God, and they look at the declaration of God and says how narrow that is and how backward that is. And yet, they're destroying themselves because they continue to ignore the reality of the truth 
of God's word. Continue to shut off the truth of God's word. It says that the word, that they then seal their fate because they know the righteous judgment of God. But not only do they do the same, but they approve those who practice them. They approve those who practice them. I look at our court systems and I think, wow, how do they get away with that? I look at the laws that are being passed, not only in our nation, but even locally, and I wonder, how in the world do they come to that understanding? I even look at the rewriting of history, and I say, how can they take what was true and turn it and pervert it so much? I look at our entertainment society, the amusement that people become enthralled in. I think continually bringing about Darkness and darkness and darkness. Literally sensitizing the public against wickedness. Suddenly wickedness is, oh, it's no big deal, it's no big deal. Desensitized, that's the word I was looking for. I knew there was a word in there, desensitized against things that are evil because it's being shown over and pushed upon us over and it becomes acceptable over and over again. And not only that, but they approve those who practice them. We look at a list like this, we think how easy it would be for us to jump on the bandwagon against homosexual behavior. And we could carry banners and signs against and speaking against homosexual behavior. And that the word of God speaks against homosexual behavior and the outcome that's going to come if they continue in that. But you cannot miss the fact that Paul goes beyond that as he's sharing, though, hey, it's any kind of sexual immorality. It's the wickedness, the covetousness, the maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, evil-mindedness, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, and on and on it goes. Paul gives a similar list, and I want you to look at that, if you would, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 11. Again, Paul nailing this thing down. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God? God's done with that. He says, the unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on, he says, don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is very adamant on the fact that, no, God draws the line. He says, enough is enough. I'm done with that. I'm over with that. And they will not inherit the kingdom of God. We can't go on one sin and say, oh, that's the wickedness, without also understanding, oh, no, it's a lot of wickedness. In fact, it's all wickedness that God stands against. We can't go on this and say, well, yeah, I understand those people, they would never get, but people like me will be able to do it. We're fine. Look at this list. Understand what this list is speaking about. And I said, by the way, verses 9 through 11, I can't miss verse 11 because that brings it home. Verse 11 tells us, and such were some of you. But you know the difference? The difference is that now you're washed. You're sanctified. You're now justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How easy it would be to put up the banners 
and the signs and the declarations against this sin or that sin or that sin and never win a single one of them to Christ. We shut the door. We blockade out their hearing rather than understanding, oh, no, and such were some of us. I cannot stand and and declare how God hates this one sin or this one sin any more than the rest unless I also have to understand that in my life there's sin that God hates and hated also and Christ died for that same sin. It saddens my heart when I hear of churches like the one up in Mesa and others, I think it's back in Iowa, that literally go around and play, uh, holding up signs and speaking through loudspeakers about how God hates the homosexuals and how they're destined for an eternity in hell. And I'm thinking, okay, so why don't you say that about those who are proud? God hates pride, too. What about those who are liars? How about those who are covetous? God hates that also. And on and on we go. No, beloved, it's so easy for you and I to pick out a particular sin and say, because of that sin in your life, you're destined for an eternity of hell. And forget very much about what verse 11 says, and such were some of us. Such were I. Praise God, we've been washed. Praise God that because of Jesus, we were sanctified. Praise God that because of him, we were justified by the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave them up, yes, over to their own devices, over to their own direction, over to their own will, in many cases over to their own direction. But you know what? One thing I know is that what God gave up, he made provision to buy back again through Jesus Christ. We cannot look at a list like this in Romans And say, that's right, God, you go get them. What we need to be saying, that's right, God, go get them and bring them back, bring them back. And that's what the very heart and purpose and mind of God is. Not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. Did God give them up? Yes, but not in the way that you and I give them up. He says, you want that choice in your life? I'm going to let you run that run. I'm going to let you run that race. But I want you to know that I gave my son for that very sin. Whatever that sin may be, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from some unrighteousness. Right? No. From all unrighteousness. If you've never come to that point of knowing the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life for the abundance of sin in your life, know right now that what God gave up, he's made provision to buy back again. And that's through Christ. And it's not until you come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ will you realize the fullness and the completeness of all of God's plan and purpose in your life. It's nothing you can do with ceremony. It's nothing you can do with tradition. It's nothing you can do with turning over the new leaf. It's a step of faith. He comes and says, I cannot save myself. I know that there is a list this long and even longer that we've read this morning that comes against me. Maybe some of those aren't particular to me. Maybe some of them are. But I've got my own list of wickedness and evilness and sinfulness within my own life. And I know that it separates me from my God. But Christ 
has spanned that chasm. He's spanned that canyon. He's given you opportunity to come to him. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, I want you again to consider the claims of Christ. Perhaps you're a believer here. You know the Lord Jesus Christ, but perhaps you've been walking in pride because you see the sin of others and you stand hard against the sin of others, but you blinded yourself from your own sin. Maybe this is the time to repent. To repent. That means to confess that sin and turn from it. God can use you more completely and more wholly for His kingdom's work. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What does it mean to confess with the mouth and believe? Well, Pastor David will answer these questions and more as he teaches through the book of Romans. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter at The Open Word Radio or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link right there on the homepage. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word. Thank you.